0: really embrace innovation, embrace this wave of change. I don't think you can stop it, right? It's already happening. Let's just talk about AI for a moment. For most of our listeners working within businesses, there are pockets of your company that are already using this. It's super important for us in order to properly shepherd the business to really understand how it works. Sometimes when we've got so much going on and then there's this completely new thing that's coming up, It's easy just to want to bury your head in the sand and ignore it and hope it goes away, but it's not going anywhere. (laughs) And with this new technology, there are also lots of legal risks that come up. And that's where we as lawyers need to take a lead. We need to actually provide guidelines and tell our business teams, this is what you can do with it. And this is actually where it puts us in some really hot water and help shape those policies. The only way that you can really do that is if you understand what's going on.
1: Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Our guest today is the co-founder and CEO of Streamline AI, an intake and workflows automation platform purpose-built for in-house legal teams. She is also the former associate general counsel at DoorDash, where she built a legal operations function from the ground up and supported the company's growth from $4 billion to over $70 billion in valuation. Please welcome our next lawyer who leads, Kathy Zhu. Kathy, welcome to the show.
0: It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: There is so much for us to talk about. But before we do that, I actually ask every single guest for a little bit of gratitude before we start. So, if you can share with our listeners, what is your favorite thing that happened today?
0: My favorite thing that happened today, which happens most days, is that my husband made me a wonderful cup of coffee in the morning, and that's what greeted me. And my golden doodle, who is the star of our lives, we don't have kids. So she's our four-legged baby and she just gave me a wonderful hello. And that's the great thing about dogs, right? It's you just saw them an hour ago and it's like you didn't see them for a whole year or something. So that was really amazing.
1: It's really like those simple moments because of course, it's really easy for us to be grateful for understandably, like our family, our friends, like all of those huge things. And we are, but um, it's finding the small moments that make us really happy. So I'm really glad to hear you had a great morning.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because I started doing a gratitude journal about a month ago. And it's been so transformative to reset yourself at the start of every day and think about, well, what are you really grateful for rather than just what's stressing you out right now? And when did you start doing that? About a month ago.
1: That's amazing. And you do it every single day?
0: I have a little journal on my kitchen table. And when I'm drinking my coffee, I just jot down, it takes less than three minutes, three things that I'm grateful for. And it really does create a different tone for the whole day.
1: I try to do that, like, in my mind. And I used to journal a lot more than I have recently. So you're inspiring me to get back on track. Thank you for that. Yay. So let's get into it. I'd love if you can share with our listeners your lawyer origin story.
0: Sure. So I think on the face of it, it probably seems maybe a little standard until it gets to this most recent chapter, which I'll share about. But I... Started my career as a corporate associate at a law firm called Wilson Sonsini, which is a a big firm based out here in the West Coast. And I was representing startups with a lot of venture financings and M&A, just general corporate work. And then I left and went in-house, first to a software company called Medallia. And so I did a little bit of a pivot there, right from corporate to commercial practice. Loved it. And after just shy of four years, DoorDash came knocking. And that was such an exciting opportunity. I knew very little about gig economy back then. DoorDash was still emerging. The only reason why I even knew about them was because one of my coworkers had just DoorDash some cupcakes for our team, literally that week. And that's the first time I even heard of DoorDash. So you can imagine this was a while ago. And they hired me to be their very first commercial lawyer to build out their entire commercial function to manage all the contracts. And I spent four years there. And you know that's really where I saw such a gap in the market for legal technology that can solve process problems for the legal team, You know how to manage all the work on our plate, how to provide transparency to the business. And I didn't find a solution in the market that addressed what I was dealing with and what I saw continuously throughout my days practicing. And so that's why I decided to essentially found my own legal tech company, and that's Streamline AI. And I just want to add here, Sigal, that I started off by saying on the face of it, all the steps I took leading up to leaving, which I know is very unusual, that's a pivot most lawyers don't decide to take, which is probably wise, (laughs) because there's a lot to founding and launching your own business. But in many ways, all the steps that I took leading up to that, they were all mini pivots. And it got me very comfortable with leaning into the unknown. And it wasn't easy, right? People may see the steps I took and have a certain perception of who I am as a person, maybe my capabilities. And I'll just tell you that most likely they're wrong because it was never easy. And I didn't have a playbook for how to do almost any of these things. And a lot of it was just developing the muscle for feeling completely outside of my depth and being okay with that and learning and getting on with it regardless
1: okay lots of questions so first (laughs) of all you talk about how like you have all of these mini pivots can you give some examples of some of the things that you learned through some of the pivots that you went through
0: yeah it's funny right you look at my journey and you think the pivot that i made the most recently is by far the most dramatic one and in many ways it was but I think the scariest pivot for me was actually the very first one I made, which was to leave the law firm. And I imagine uh, a lot of your listeners, maybe who are at the law firm, may feel the same way, where that is your shelter for the first few years of your life. And I was so fortunate because Wilson Sonsini is a fantastic firm. I had great mentors; they really looked after me, and they provided this home. And you, you know, that's all you know. Right after you graduate law school, you're just so grateful that this place even took a chance on you. Cause frankly, we all know very little, right? When we're baby lawyers. And so when I really looked deeply within myself, I recognized that my DNA, who I was basically born to be, bred to be, was much, much more of a builder. And I really enjoyed communicating and working very closely with the business teams, with the founding teams that I was advising. And I always felt like there was this wall separating us. Now, there are many amazing law firm lawyers. One of my best friends actually is now a partner at Wilson Sonsini. She stayed and I left. And she demonstrates that for certain people, advising and counseling lots of different clients from a law firm perspective is actually perfect for them. But it's really important to recognize when that isn't perfect for you, right? Or when whatever it is that you're doing maybe doesn't align with who you truly are. And I had to listen to that, even though, trust me, I had so much fear about going in-house. I had no idea what it meant, what I would have to do and how to even do my job properly. It was a massive culture shift. But at the same time, I know it sounds trite, the whole believing in yourself maybe or the listening to your instinct. But that first step was monumental because it pointed me in the direction where I could really trust Myself, it
1: was the right move for me to have made. How did you identify that building was in your DNA?
0: I think it was little tastes of that, right? When I actually had an opportunity or a glimmer to create a mini process, or even moments where I could just really get absorbed in a task because I was creating something and I wasn't just following a pre described process. And that's a muscle that I lean into constantly now. For example, on Thursday, I'm going to present a CLE to about, I think, 400 lawyers on the intersection of technology and legal ethics. And I'm co-presenting that with the GC, of another amazing tech company. And I had to create this presentation and design it, right? Usually that's the job of a product marketer or a marketing person. And I, right now on my team, we're looking for someone who's going to do that, but we don't have that role filled. And so I'm stepping into that role. And I love it (laughs) because it's so creative. I get to really just make something. And maybe for certain people that in other areas of your life, right? Like I love using my hands. I love making art, for example, or cooking. So I'm just a really hands-on kind of person. And it translates for me into my work
1: as well. You also mentioned that there are some people that perceived your journey a certain way. Can you give me a sense of some of the misconceptions about your journey?
0: I think I said that more so because in my experience, I've looked at people who've gone in-house from the firm. I remember regarding those people with a certain degree of maybe they just had the skill set to do that. Maybe they're really special in a way that I'm not, right? That they had these doors opening to them. Maybe they're just privileged in some way. Maybe they have a network of people who make the right introductions for them. And I think a lot of that internal chatter is all about separating yourself from certain other people that you perceive as having an experience that, frankly, maybe you'd want to have or you think is... is idealized in some way, not at all to say, I think <laughs> what I've done is incredible or amazing or special, but I, I just know I've looked at others in that same way when I was earlier in my career. And I think the misconception I wanted to really clarify is that wasn't my experience at all, right? My family immigrated when I was 15 to the US and I had to figure out this educational system as a sophomore. And in many ways, I constantly felt like I was behind and that I was catching up, and everyone else was light years ahead of me. And I felt that when I was in law school, my classmates, most of them had work experience. And let me tell you, I had no idea how a business was even structured. I didn't even know what a stock was. Like truly foundational things that most people know, I really felt like I was behind. And over time, I think what I realized is that barrier that we create between us and other people it's really in our own minds. And the information is there. And I've been so blessed to have had advisors and mentors and people who've been willing to help me, but that's because I asked for help. And so that's also another piece of advice I would give is never be afraid of asking for help or just being in the mode of learning and absorbing new information because almost anything can be learnable. It's just whether or not you try.
1: I absolutely agree. The sense of curiosity And keeping that curiosity alive is truly the way that you can gather information. And I love what you said about how we perceive other people's journeys and we create our own stories around what that journey looked like for them. And having you here being able to share with vulnerability and transparency what it felt like to pivot and the fears that you had and what you leaned into to further understand what your strengths were is really important. It's really helpful for people that are, like you said, potentially looking to make a transition but fear that they're not good enough to do it. So thank you for that. Let's talk briefly about your pivot to DoorDash and why you ended up doing that. And then I'd love to get into what you're doing today.
0: Absolutely. So the opportunity when it presented itself surprised me a little bit (laughs) because I imagined that if I left Medallia, and by the way, this was a company I absolutely adored. I got along so well with the business. I learned so much about negotiating a contract. I really felt like I came into my own in that job and worked on some very exciting deals. And I really didn't imagine leaving except this opportunity came along to build again and to actually build from scratch, something that I saw my manager do at Medallia extraordinarily well. And I think there was something in me, again, that instinct, that little voice inside of me that was basically telling me, hey, this is a big step up for you, and you get to build your own team, and you get to stretch your wings and try something different. Back in those days, again, like DoorDash wasn't the brand that it is today. Not that many people had heard of it. Uber delivery was dominating everywhere. And I was also in a B2B SaaS business, which for a lot of people, that's seen certainly back then as a fantastic business model. And I remember my GC even said, hey, it's really, that's really like the awesome business model for a company to have. Maybe you consider going to another B2B SaaS company, right? Um, and so again, I was confronted with fear of, oh my gosh, am I making a huge mistake to leave behind this amazing home that I created where I felt safe, every day was predictable, I knew what was going to happen, I knew how to do my job really well, and I built a certain reputation for myself to all of a sudden be dropped in the middle of something completely unknown and have to start from scratch again. But when are you going to be presented with opportunities like that to start from scratch and Set an example for other people to come and build your own ways of doing things. That was too good for me to pass up. So I'm so glad that I didn't.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. So you're there for four years. You're having an amazing time. You were part of a company that increased in valuation significantly. What made you decide, you know what, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go all in on my own business?
0: Yeah, I think it was a conviction that built over time. And I've been asked about this by lots of other lawyers. And I would say, the, one of the biggest hurdles you'll have to face if you want to leave your, your profession and carve out this new path as an entrepreneur is you should have a very high bar for yourself. And building enough conviction for you to take that risk should hopefully not be an easy thing to do, right? You need lots and lots of data points that you validate. So certainly I had my own lived experiences, which really informed and still to this day informs how we're shaping the product. And I think that's a differentiator, right? We're doing it from the standpoint of someone who's practiced for 10 years. But I also had to get a co-founder on board, someone who's actually a technologist who can build the product. And luckily, I found someone who saw the same problem as I did, but on the business side. So that was one other piece of the puzzle. And then we had to really validate it. It wasn't enough that he saw this at Google. I saw this at DoorDash, where we need at least 20 to 25 other data points. So we got those. And confirmed it. These other in house lawyers also were confronted with the same problem. They also didn't have a perfect solution for it. They were dealing with a lot of intake and request management very manually. Legal felt like a black box, and we wanted to break down those walls, right? So I think it was really through a series of all of these things where we were fully convinced that one, solution didn't exist in the market, and two, there was no one better than we to actually solve that problem. This really amazing kind of meeting of the minds, right, between a lawyer, an in-house practitioner, and a Google AI engineer and expert to really create this, hopefully this product that can transform the way that many legal teams are working.
1: How will it transform? Tell me a little bit about your product and and how it affects in-house lawyers every day.
0: So what we're creating is a product called legal process management software. And that's very different, right, from the pre-existing categories of software out there. Most people think about when they're dealing with transactions, especially contracts management. But for me, contracts management is focusing on the document, is focusing on working with the document. But most teams are dealing with more than just contracts. You've got privacy questions, marketing compliance, all sorts of things that come in. Nothing is there to address that. So we need a front door that catches everything coming in. And most legal teams are dealing with every step of that entire chain on their own very manually. You go to IT and you tell IT, hey, I need you to evaluate this new vendor that's coming on. Then you go to accounting and then you do the same thing all over again. Why are we shepherding and wasting such precious, limited, and expensive, frankly, very expensive resources, babysitting things when a system can actually just automate it. So that's what we do. We use our no-code workflows to automate assignments, approvals, communications, and we also provide a view, a very limited view for the business because you want to preserve confidentiality and privilege, and we know that. But you, you allow them to see where their request is and what the holdup is. And most times it's not with legal. It's actually with another team that we're waiting on. And we're finally shining a light on that black box.
1: How does the AI factor into all of this?
0: So the AI will help this entire system become even more efficient. And if you think about the way that legal teams are responding to requests today, ideally, a legal team wants very certain specific pieces of information up front to be gathered before they start working on it. Think about how much time everyone wastes today just doing the back and forth with the business, trying to collect that information. Now, what if the system could do that for you using AI? What if the business could email something to you, the system could take all that unstructured data in the email, and then actually provide a structure around it, and then go back to the business and say, hey, you're missing these four pieces of information that the legal team has already indicated they want. Boom. So you've already cut out, probably that's like an hour of your time, maybe more. And then when you sit down and you work on something, everything is already in your queue, right? You can work on it in the priority, in the right priority, rather than trying to dig through your inbox and waste so much time just getting a sense of what it is that you need to actually work on.
1: I love that so much. Even though I am not an in-house counsel at at a corporation, as someone that works at an online legal education company where we create thousands and thousands of courses, And work with thousands of volunteers. There is, of course, lots of back and forth in the designing of educational programming. So I can already see how something like of this structure can apply to various different industries in addition to in-house. So we're going to get into those rapid fire questions. First and foremost, based on all your incredible experience that you've had so far practicing and now going to be an entrepreneur, what does leadership in law mean to you?
0: Summarizing it down to two words, it's courage and it's also vision. So I don't think that a leader in law and in any other profession actually needs to come with a fancy title or even lead a team, frankly. It's just about someone who has the courage to push the limits, push the boundaries on what's possible and be an example for other people. And that comes with the vision, right? You need to be able to see all that in order to put it into practice.
1: What is one thing that you would change about the legal industry?
0: I think that, and this probably applies more for in-house lawyers, but I certainly saw this when I was at the law firm as well. It's feeling like legal stands apart from the business, that we are actually separate from the business. And we are very special. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I absolutely believe in our specialness. But in order for us to be truly effective, again, especially as in-house counsel, we need to have business people feeling like we're part of the team. And that means that we need to break down those walls and not actually be a black box, right? Help business teams understand what it is that we're working on and speak more than anything else, speak in the language of the business, which is through metrics and numbers and data. If you tell a a business team, my request volume is increasing 40% quarter on quarter, that means something entirely different to them than just saying we're all really busy, right? Or we have really big deals we're working on. But until you can put numbers to something, it's going to be very, very hard for business teams to truly appreciate just how much we're contributing. 100%
1: agree. The idea of alignment of language is really important. Making sure that everyone's aligned on the language that you're using, the metrics that you're using so that everyone's speaking the same language and therefore can understand what each other is doing is a fantastic suggestion for breaking down, like you said, the the barriers between legal and business. I'm just going to pick your brain here for a second. What are some other ways that you think you can break down those barriers between business and legal?
0: For legal teams to embrace innovation and technology. And that's a tough one, right? Because think about how we start, especially in a firm. A lot of it is pen and paper, right? And, and doing things in a very manual way. But once, especially again, once you're in an in-house setting, I think it also applies to firms, but much more so in-house. The business teams are watching to see what you're doing. And I've been part of legal teams in the past that have said to business teams, I don't want you to slack me. I don't want you to send me a chat. Because I need you to communicate to me in the way that I'm comfortable, which is in email. And frankly, if you are at a fast-growing tech company where the business teams are living and breathing in Slack, in their head immediately when you tell them that, there is friction. There's already friction. Whenever I need to communicate with legal, I need to do something very different. And if the business teams can see legal, I, right now, are working with some incredible customers that have said to me, Kathy... I want legal to spearhead innovation for the business teams. I want legal to bring in tools that then the business teams want to jump on board and use. By the way, that's happening with Streamline. We've got business teams actually using us now as a result, which is incredible, right? Because we streamline any process, um, including InfoSec reviews, for example, for a customer onboarding contractors. But that came from the business, the legal teams actually wanting to create that change. Now, imagine for those companies how differently legal is regarded. The business teams are like, oh my gosh, I have an incredible legal team and they're thinking like we are, which is all about making change, creating innovation. So that's another way of breaking down walls.
1: Excellent answer. And I like how Streamline also Just by virtue of creating more transparency on where things are going and what is being held up, it also provides like more of a connection with each other because they understand where you are. And for me, transparency and clarity as to where everyone is creates a much stronger bond between various departments. Absolutely. Fantastic. So what is a piece of practical advice that you would give to our listeners? These are leaders and future leaders in law.
0: So I think it goes along with what I was just saying, really embrace innovation, embrace this wave of change. I don't think you can stop it, right? It's already happening. It's already, in fact, you know, let's just talk about AI for a moment. Um, For most of our listeners working within businesses, there are pockets of your company that are already using this, this technology, right? It's super important for us in order to properly shepherd the business to really understand how it works. I've used this analogy before where, you know, sometimes when we've got so much going on and then there's this completely new thing that's coming up, it's easy just to want to bury your head in the sand and ignore it and hope it goes away, but it's not going anywhere. (laughs) And with this new technology, there are also lots of legal risks that come up, right? There are threats to privilege and confidentiality. And then there are questions around, can you actually keep that information as proprietary? Do you own the IP rights to it? If that's coming and being generated from this other system. And that's where we as lawyers, we need to take a lead there. And we need to actually provide guidelines and tell our business teams, this is what you can do with it. And this is actually where it puts us in some really hot water and help shape those policies. The only way that you can really do that is if you understand what's going on. So there's a huge body of resources out there now with, you know, webinars and very easily accessible literature, like read up on it, understand it. It's not scary once you know it.
1: I did want to make sure I touched upon this. You did say like, sometimes we're really busy and we bury our heads in the sand because something new is coming in. It's like really hard to handle. What would be a piece of advice that you would give to somebody who does feel overwhelmed but knows that it's important to learn these things? How do they do that?
0: So this is what I would do. This is what I did, actually, at DoorDash. And even now, when this comes up, is I just carve out a piece of time for myself. I calendar it. I preserve it. I make sure no one else will schedule over it or anything like that. And maybe that actually does appear on the weekends, right? If you have a little sacred piece of time and just dedicate one weekend to it, maybe. And then... For a lot of these things, it's about getting that first step. And once you make that first step, everything else just becomes easier. It's this mental block we put on it that makes this the first step especially challenging.
1: Agreed. Two more questions. What is a common misconception of the work you do by other lawyers?
0: I think it's hard probably for a lot of people to know what I do all day now as the CEO of the company, <laughs> myself included, right? It changes a lot day by day. A misconception, I think the misconception is probably more around like why I decided to do this, because I think a lot of people may look at just the stereotypical founder of a tech company. And there are certainly examples of these out there where they're in it for themselves, you know, that they see an opportunity that presents itself where you can financially get a windfall maybe. But let me tell you, it's so much work to go into it. It's not, it's not just like anything's falling from the sky. You only do this if you truly believe and you've so much conviction, right, that this is actually going to make a difference. And for me, there's something so personal about it. Some of our investors have even said, you have a little chip on your shoulder because you actually really want to prove to not just you, but everyone out there, like, Legal teams aren't a cost center. Trust me, like we're helping to drive the business forward. Just no one knows right now without a system like ours truly what's happening, right? You don't have the metrics and the numbers to substantiate the incredible work we're doing. And that's probably why I have created so much conviction and that chip on the shoulder really helps me to push past limitations and boundaries and fears and all of it. But maybe that, back to your question, Sigal, the misconception comes from the, the motivation, really understanding why I'm doing this.
1: So beautifully put. Final question. What do you do for self-care?
0: I'm going to say something maybe a little different from a lot of people. And I certainly believe, don't get me wrong, that we need to carve out time and emphasis and focus on looking after ourselves physically. And that means going to the spa, maybe if that's the thing that does it for you and getting plenty of sleep. But for me, self-care actually starts with my mind. And that really is the inception for everything, (laughs) for all of your thoughts, all of your beliefs that then translates to all of your actions. And that translates to the experience you end up having every single day in the world. And so I do a lot, actually, to take care of my mind. Building a business, is it's like a marathon and a sprint at the same time mentally. And that's why I start off every single day with meditation. Maybe all I can fit in is 10 minutes, but I I have only had to sacrifice that. I can count it on my hands in the past five or six years. I've maintained this practice, and it really cares for my mind.
1: Thank you so much, Kathy, for being on the show. I enjoyed our conversation so much. If anyone wanted to reach out and connect with you, ask you more questions, what's the best way they can do that?
0: Yes, yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn. So that's Kathy M-Z-H-U. And the company that I work for is Streamline AI.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show, Kathy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. really enjoyed it. to get the special offer. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.